It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you you bet, you win, you get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. starts right now on a Thursday. Appreciate Connor O'Gara get with us. Hour one from Saturday down south. Good stuff going on uh, all over the SEC. And now that we're a little bit past the uh, halfway point of the schedule, uh, starting to see have more than, well, it's a small sample size, or hey, it's just the first month, or no, 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 no. Um, like Georgia, for instance, their next game, I mean, that's Halloween or Halloween Eve, um, you know, and then we're in November and you've got, oh, wait a minute, we only have three games left or four games. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. We got uh, Heath Klein, good friend of mine, 107.5 The Game in Columbia, South Carolina. That is the South Carolina Gamecocks flagship station. Heath, uh, he hosts Afternoon Drive there and does a great job, has for a minute. Roddy Jones, is he on the SMU game you told me, Dan? Is that right? Yeah. Yes, he is. SMU. And then I need to see what his ACC assignment is this weekend. Yeah, from the ACC network, obviously, ESPN family of networks. And so he does color commentary for ACC on the weekends, but he's doing Southern Methodist as well. So we'll talk to our good buddy, Roddy. Uh, But right now, we'll get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. Headline. Six schools accept invitation to AAC. 
That's right. The American Athletic Conference got him a shopping list. After the Big 12 said, hey, y'all want to join the Power 5 Conference? I'm not really sure what the Big 12 is going forward. Oklahoma State would like to tell you what they are. Kansas State would like to tell you. TCU, I don't know what they are. But the AAC is looking around going, all right, well, we just lost some really, really, really outstanding TV markets, so what can we do? Oh, we can invite Florida Atlantic, which is at least it is in the Miami TV database. FAU, which I love that campus down there. That's uh, Boca Raton. But FAU, Charlotte, which is Charlotte, North Texas, that's Denton, Texas, but that's like Dallas-Fort Worth-ish area. UT San Antonio, simple enough. Rice is in – you know what they – these are all graduates from Conference USA. This is why I said selfishly I always loved – I mean, I did SEC – I did SEC games. I absolutely did. I love doing Conference USA ten times more because I promise you it is way easier to get to, like, anywhere in Conference USA than anywhere practically in the SEC – um, Rice is in Houston, UAB, Birmingham, San Antonio, all of these places. And they're like, wait a minute, we're going to a bigger and better conference now? Uh, yes, they are. And so they've all accepted their invitations. And so that will be the AAC going forward minus the three that they lost, I guess. Headline, and this actually has been updated. This is from earlier today. DN Mikel Williams, number 50 prospect in class of 22, Flips commitment to Georgia. Mikel Williams is this defensive end from Columbus, Georgia, and he has been committed to Southern Cal since June. Well, they got a different head coach now. And so Mikel Williams, which you fly cross country, it doesn't always work out for you. EJ Price did that a few years ago, went back to Kenny. He never really got his career on his college career on balance really uh jarvis jones did that went out to usc Ah, it is a long 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 way out there mikhail williams says not gonna make the trip i'm gonna go to athens instead and so he's a five-star and he's a defensive lineman and nobody ever has enough five-star defensive linemen so georgia just added one needle scratch van it and bear alexander a five-star okay yeah bear alexander who was a Texas A&M commit a minute ago, but then decommitted, and he's been looking around. He committed as well. And I think that's so new, it's not even on the wire services yet. It's just like places like Roddy tweeting it out. It's breaking. It's breaking. It's emerging news. So they got... Do you realize there are SEC programs? I'll say plural. In fact, I'll say there are at least, and I'll go look, folks. I promise I will. I bet you there are five SEC programs that in their history have never gotten two five-star defensive line prospects to sign. Now, Georgia doesn't have sign. These kids signed yet. They haven't committed. But Georgia got two commitments in like half an hour. I bet you, and I'm just guessing, and I'll check. I bet you there are five SEC programs in the entirety of the 119 years they played football. They've never had since recruiting rankings came to be a thing. Consider yourself up to date. I had other stuff to add. Clemson lost somebody else in the – actually lost two somebody else's in the transfer portal. Um, We will talk about a lot of that as we get through the program. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. Talk South Carolina Gamecocks next.
Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. And I actually took time earlier in the week to comment on the Vanderbilt-South Carolina game from this past weekend. And it was not a good game, and it was not particularly well played. Um, neither team valued the football very much. And I'm, I actually wonder, I said don't value the football. I wonder how much Vanderbilt values football, just like in the generic, like common nouns, not the foot. That one right there, they fumbled. No, just football in general. But I gave Shane Beamer and that staff credit. I said, no matter what came before in the first 58 minutes, when Vanderbilt kicked that field goal with a minute 40 or a minute 35, whatever it was remaining, South Carolina still had, they had all three timeouts to take in the sequence leading up to that. And the reason there was a minute 40 left instead of like 13 seconds is because despite everything else that had gone wrong, you can choose to be responsible with your timeouts, and they had all three of them. And that is a big, 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 big reason why it was the difference. And Vanderbilt is not good, but it was the difference between winning a conference game and losing a conference game. And so I'll give them credit for a week. They were as good as you could be in the SEC. They won. Want to welcome on now a good friend of mine, uh, afternoon drive host at the Gamecocks flagship station in Columbia, South Carolina, 107.5 The Game. It is Heath Klein. Heath, how are you today? Hey, Chuck. How you doing, man? Doing okay. Um I'm not trying to be funny or deadpan here. Um, South Carolina is not very good, and they have some tough kids, and they stand there and they'll swing with you a little bit on defense. Um, but so far, I got to say that this season offensively, it has sort of unfolded the way that I thought. I thought it would be kind of challenging to build an offense behind power running backs and the tight end. Um, tell me how you think it's gone so far halfway through the season for South Carolina. Well, you said it. The defense has made major improvements and, frankly, uh, been surprisingly good with the exception of the first half against Tennessee. And then, yeah, you're overmatched against Georgia. You're going to look like that against a team that's as good as they are. But but other than that first half against Tennessee, there really hasn't been a time where you felt like the defense was really a question mark in the game that they were playing. But uh, the offense, we'll never know because Doty was their projected starter yeah. all year and he got hurt mid-August and was clearly never right. I mean, whatever else he was at the end of last year, as raw as could be, but you could see what he looked like running with the football. He's athletic enough that that previous staff had toyed with trying to get him on the field as a receiver just as some athleticism there. He was never that guy this year. So so maybe if they had actually had a healthy Doty to start the year, we would have seen whatever they were working on. But but what we have seen is just a complete mishmash week in, week out. There's no consistency in plan. Uh, it's been a disaster. I, mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's been absolutely atrocious to watch. Has there been anyone that has sort of emerged? Because I remember talking to you actually before the season. I was like, is Nick Muse going to be? And you're like, yeah, probably. I was like, well, Josh Fan, well, yeah, he could be. And so we kind of went through the the usual suspects there and, and, and who was kind of in line to maybe have a season for him. Uh, has anybody surprised? Has anybody had a breakout? Well, the thing is, Josh Vann actually did. Those first few weeks, he showed he could be a high-level SEC receiver. It looked like they had a number one SEC receiver, and then he got hurt. Yeah. And he has continued to play 
but it's been very obvious that physically he is diminished as a contributor. And Muse has been his his largely being absent from the passing game has been a pretty big surprise. But but this is the thing, Chuck. I mean. I swear it's like they just pull things out of a bag sometimes when we're watching this team play. Uh, two weeks ago, they made a priority in the game against Troy of saying, we're going to throw to the tight ends because Oscar Delp, who has since committed to Georgia, but he mm. was in the house, we got to feature the tight ends. That day they threw the ball to the tight ends 15 times. The rest of the weeks, they ignore the tight ends. Two weeks ago, they bring in against Tennessee, they bring in the big body, they move a defensive lineman to fullback and play some power ball. And, and Wednesday going into last week's game, Satterfield says, yeah, we're definitely going to be doing more of that. Yeah, that worked. We're going to do that. They didn't run a single play of that in the game Saturday. I mean, spin the wheel, man. You tell me they're going to come out and run a run and shoot? Sure, I guess. Why not? I mean, there's no consistency at all. It's baffling. Use of personnel is baffling. Which back are you playing which week? Your guess is as good as mine. So Quandre White suddenly got a dozen carries after he hadn't touched the ball in a month. I mean, part of that was the Harris got hurt. But but still, you had other backs that you were featuring ahead of him, and suddenly he gets a dozen carries. I mean, there, there is just zero consistency to how they use any of their personnel. EJ Jenkins is six foot seven. Chuck, you might not know a thing about football, but you could tell if you're just a random guy in the crowd, hey, the six seven guy seems like he's hard to cover, even if there are other issues. He came from SES football. I get it. He might not have known how to practice the SEC way. He might not know an SEC playbook as well as you want him to. There's got to be a way to say, hey, you, run 10 yards and turn around. We're going to hit you with the ball really high because you're 6'7". They they featured him on the drive to win the game last week one time. Before that, he hadn't touched the ball all game. They didn't even try it. I mean, it's just it's bizarre. Am I remembering correctly? Do you recall, didn't Army, like, I don't know, like 15 years ago, they had like a 6'10 receiver that they would do exactly what you talked about? They would just like flex the guy out wide. Do you remember that at all? I don't remember him, but I remember Kentucky had that kid a couple of years ago that, that basically same thing. every pass they threw him was either a pass interference call or a Hail Mary catch. Yep, that's exactly what it was. Um, same sort of thing. So uh, you're right about that, and I've heard that same sort of conversation continuing. Heath Klein again, 107.5 The Game in Columbia. All right, uh, I've talked about this actually in, in in relation to a couple of other teams this very season, but – I've seen it happen before, a defense that has good bodies and, and I mean, and some depth and talent and everything else, and it seems that they're kind of well-coached and in the right spot. The dam breaks. I mean, you get into November and a defense that has had, wait a minute, the defense, wait, we just got off the field. Um, a defense that does that for seven, eight, nine weeks, the, the, the dam breaks. Talk about the depth and the overall health and just the fatigue that can settle in potentially with the South Carolina defense. Yeah, the one thing they've got going for them is that they do have good depth on the line. Uh, The linebacker play has been better than anybody could have expected, particularly after losing Sherrod Green. It's not great, but I think the thought going into the year was it might be a a gaping wound. It hasn't been that. Secondary play, eh, you've seen some slippage there, particularly against Vanderbilt. You had uh, Darius Rush coming way too high on a tackle and basically turn an eight-yard play into a 50-yard play. They can't afford that kind of thing. But but so far, I mean, uh, they have improved uh, stop rate. For those who don't know what stop rate is, uh, basically it's it's drives that don't end in either a score or a missed field goal because you don't have any control of whether or not the kicker misses. They're in the 
40s on stop rate. Last year, they were in the 110. So they have really made a huge jump. They're only allowing 1.69 points per drive. That is a massive improvement from last year. I can't imagine them just completely letting go of the rope like you're talking about. But but having said that, this team has got to stop putting them on the field as much as they've been in some of these games. And looking at the schedule in the final five, there are definitely going to be some teams that can challenge them that way. Can I ask you quickly? I mean, I don't mean to get you in Dutch with your listeners because uh, you're in Columbia. Can I ask you about the team across state? Sure enough. Uh, Dabo is feeling put upon when he gets the weekly questions about the transfer portal, but um, they, there could be a lot of questions about his kids in the transfer portal. Um, they lost another one. I think it's three and whatever, maybe six days or five days or whatever. Um, what's going on over there? Because those I, I mentioned it before, earlier in the program. I was like, the, the problems I see are not fixable this season. No, they run the blackjack offense. They never get past 21, which is not what we expected from Clemson, to say the least. And the problem for them is that you're right. You don't have an answer on the offensive line. And that's what the problem at its core is. Yeah, you got a young quarterback. Yeah, there's some things you'd like him to be doing better. But but you can't say, well, we'll commit to the run game and try to take pressure off him. And that way, you can't block well enough to do that. And then on top of that, you've lost two tailbacks now to the transfer portal. And Will Shipley got hurt. Yep. Uh, they just... They don't have they don't have the right personnel right now, and if they're not willing to address at least that line in the transfer portal, then it's a pretty fair question to wonder what's going to change that. I guess you could try a change at line coach, but most people seem to think Robbie Caldwell's a pretty fair line coach, so it's hard to believe that he's the primary issue there. But uh, whatever the story, the line is not good enough, and until the line gets better, they're going to continue to struggle. And if you watch, too, Chuck, some of it's effort. Uh, some of what's going on with those receivers on screens, they're not trying hard enough, man. There is a play against Syracuse where two guys, including Justin Ross, did not touch anybody. Yep. Yep. Uh, let me ask you, the season finale is in Columbia this year. And, I mean, we've talked, and there's every rivalry. There are years where the home team sells the tickets to the rival. I don't care. We stink so bad. I didn't want to be there. Um who will want to be there this year? And, again, I'm not trying to deal out snark there. I'm saying how does that stadium get filled up at the end of November for these two teams this year? Oh, they'll still get off on, on being there. If you're a Clemson fan, you'll try to be there because you'll say, hey, if nothing else, I can I can revel in my, okay. my rival's misery. And, and Gamecock fans will want to be there because, you know, hey, look, unless something changes, I mean, if Clemson keeps scoring in the 17 there's range, there's always a chance, right? I mean, you know, you don't expect it. It's going to work out your way. There's still a huge talent gap. But if they can't score more than 17, it doesn't take but a block point here, a big play there, and who knows? You might have a shot. So I actually think they're going to do all right with that if those two trends continue. There you go. Heath, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Anytime, Chuck. All right, Heath Klein from 107.5 The Game. Yeah, the schedule going forward, and you can look at it now, suddenly there are only five games remaining for South Carolina. At Texas A&M this Saturday, and it's a Saturday, what, like it may play it at 8 in the morning, but it's a night game. That doesn't, that doesn't help things. So, South Carolina's on the road, College Station this Saturday. It's a tough row. Home against Florida. Florida's way, 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 way more talented. And I don't, I, I don't know anything about that team right now. I have, I have no idea where that team will be after the Georgia game. Because they're not beating Georgia. And I had said going into the year that, you know, they can win that day. I'm just questioning the ability to win over the course of 13 weeks. And I was thinking, yeah, they could beat Georgia. They're good enough to beat Georgia on a random Saturday. That They're not. They're good enough to beat Georgia, but maybe they lose to LSU, and maybe they're going to lose to Bama. And so maybe they have three losses, but they beat Georgia. 
They're not beating Georgia. And I don't know, and I'm, I'm not saying either way. I'm saying I don't know what the mood, culture, feel, good or bad either way, I don't know in the locker room is following what I, I believe should be pretty steady beatdown. I don't know what happens to that roster and that too deep and some of the departing stars and when they depart. Another great weekend of pro and college action. And let's get a look at the odds brought to you by BetUS. Hi, I'm Dan Matthews. Let's take a look at those lines. How about we start with LSU at Ole Miss, 3.30 kick, just outside the Grove. Rebels favored by nine. They are minus 350 money line. Tigers are plus 290. Over-under is 76. Clemson at Pitt. Panthers are the home favorite at minus three. Pitt is minus 155 on the money line. Clemson is plus 135. Over-under, 48. Alabama hosting Tennessee. Crimson Tide favored by 25. Over-under is 67. Ohio State is at Indiana. Buckeyes, a 21-point favorite. Over-under is 60 and a hook. USC and Notre Dame for a night game in South Bend. Irish favored by six and a half. They are minus 260 money line. Trojans plus 220. Over under is 57 and a half. Let's head to the pros. The Bears are at the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, 13 point favorite. They are minus 750 money line. Chicago plus 550. Over under 47. Monday night, Saints at the Seahawks. New Orleans, a rare road favorite. Four and a half for this one. They are minus 220 money line. Seattle plus 180 over under is 42 and a half. How would you like to earn some money just by signing up for bet us enter a couple of promo codes. How about SST 125 with this promo code bet us is giving you 125% on a sign up bonus. For example, your first deposit $100 you're getting an extra 125 bucks in your pocket. You're using cryptocurrency? No problem. Enter the promo code SST220. When you do this, you get a 200% sign-up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first one is $100, you're getting an extra $200. That's a look at some of the odds from the weekend coming up in football. Brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Pony up, Dallas. I think that is the message. And they even got special helmets. SMU, they are as back as they have been. They are 6-0. They are ranked. They're ranked 21st, but they're ranked. And they're hosting Tulane. A good team with a bad record, but uh, they're hosting Tulane tonight, and and we will start there because when you're undefeated and it's it's getting to November, yeah, we're going to talk about you wherever you fall geography-wise. Uh, and our next guest will be on the call tonight. want to welcome him on from the ACC Network and the ESPN family of networks. It is Roddy Jones. Roddy, how are you, brother? Chuck, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm I'm not as good as everybody in Dallas. Talk a little Southern Methodist uh, Mustangs. This this offense is real, man, and they're actually playing on the other side of the ball as well. Yeah, they, they are. Look, the, the offense is is uh, has been fantastic this season. They're top ten and in scoring and total yards. Yep. Tanner Mordecai, the Oklahoma transfer, has done an excellent job 
of coming into that system uh, that, that Garrett Riley, the, the brother of Lincoln Riley, directs. And, and uh, so, so when you when you look at what they've been able to do, he's done a great job of spreading the ball around. Um, you know, they've got some really great receivers: Danny Gray, Reggie Robertson, um, Grant Calcaterra. They, the tight end transfer. Yep. Uh, he, he spread it around a ton defensively. They've been pretty stingy. They're not they're not overwhelming defensively, but they don't have to be. And they've got everything in front of them. They're undefeated. They've got Houston left, who's a really good team that I saw earlier this year. They've got Memphis left that's starting to play a lot better. That's a team that's a lot better than their record. And, of course, they've got Cincinnati left uh, towards the end of the year. So if you're looking for dark horse teams to make the New Year's Six and from the G5, uh, that's a lot of acronyms right there. Uh, but, but if you're looking for one of those teams, it's, it's probably – SMU. And SMU can even play a role if they don't advance anywhere onto like the national stage themselves. They can be the final opportunity for Cincinnati to impress not just with the scores, but a little bit with the opponent a little bit. So SMU is going to play a role in this thing going into November. Absolutely. And look, there's, there's a couple of teams that I think Cincinnati has to bank on to boost their resume. SMU is one of them. Houston is the other. Now, SMU and Houston play each other, which probably knocks one of them out yep. of the top 25, which is unfortunate. Uh, but if both of those teams, if those teams end up uh, like, like, let's say, let's say when they play Houston, uh, Houston's a two loss team, the loss to Texas Tech and SMU, SMU's an undefeated team uh, going into that game. And then they get another matchup against the, let's say, SMU that, that whose only loss is to Cincinnati. That's a pretty solid resume, especially with, with what's going on elsewhere. I, I'm not quite sure if it gets them in with everything else that's going on. But that's, that's sort of the best hope to boost the resume of Cincinnati. All right, Saturday in the ACC, you and Wesley Durham, everybody, uh, are on the call, Louisville and B.C., and anytime there's an injury a quarterback, it can derail your entire season or it can be an opportunity for somebody to step up. Where is B.C.? Uh, BC is a team that is probably sitting there, definitely a win over Clemson, probably a win over NC State with Phil Dracovic at quarterback. Yeah. So, so Dennis Grossell has performed well. Uh, but the thing that makes BC so dangerous is their deep shots to Zay Flowers, and they just have not connected on those. Uh, and, and down the stretch, I mean, Dennis Grossell dropped a snap against Clemson on the 11-yard line. So, so you, you, you have to say that you know maybe Phil Dracovic could provide you that. So there's somewhere in between, Chuck. Like Dennis Grossell hasn't quite stepped up. It hasn't quite derailed their season. They lost two straight to Clemson and NC State, two good teams. They've got a Louisville team that uh, that defensively has been pretty pretty bad this season. Uh, so can they can they perform in a game like that? Can they run the football? Does Dennis Grossell take care of the ball? Those are going to be the big questions. But Boston College, man, I, this is Wes and I's first time having them since Jeff Happley's been at Boston College. Just talking to him this week, man, I, I love love the direction that that program is well, going. NFL I think staff, he's doing a job. Yeah, it absolutely is. And they treat it like that. Like, yes, they, they have do. fun with football. Um, let's talk Wake Forest a little bit. And I don't know if you've had the Deeks this year, um, but I know you've eyeballed them. Um, how real is that? Because I give I, Dave Clawson all the respect in the world, and I always talk him up and, you know, his offensive mind and all that. That's 6-0. and oh, I mean, this is not September anymore. Right. Uh, it's it's very real. We have not had them this year. They're too good. Once teams get to like 6 or 7-0 and oh and they've got all the hype, Wes and I don't get them anymore. <laughs> like, we won't see Pitt again. We had Pitt against UMass. We won't see them again. But 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 Wake Forest is very real. Absolutely. Like, Sam Hartman, what he's doing at quarterback has been building towards that for, for years. Like, four years. 
when you look at that defense, yeah. they are experienced. They are talented. Uh, and, and they don't have to be great because offensively they're going to score points. That offensive line uh, is doing – as they're, they're, they're playing that style of offense as well as, as anybody. Uh, so, so I look at Wake Forest, and I think it's very real. Now, look. Wake Forest got a lot in front of them. They still have to play NC State. They still have to play Clemson. Um, they played uh, North Carolina in a non-conference game. They've got Army this week, and that's up, up there. And there's a lot of distractions that come with playing Army up there. So do I? am I predicting them to go undefeated? I don't think so. But could they end up at 11-1? Yeah, I could definitely see that. This is a really good Wake Forest team. You mentioned Pitt. Um, I mentioned actually earlier, maybe to start the show, as we continue to Roddy Jones, ACC Network, ESPN, um, that Pitt is five and one right now. I think they could be. I think they're going to be Clemson, as a matter of fact, on Saturday. And so now you have the scenario of Pitt going twelve and one, maybe winning in Charlotte as well. And so that could get the ACC back in playoff contention. Does a team that gave up 44 points and lost to Western Michigan, can that team get into playoff discussion despite its record and the data point of having a conference championship? Uh, no, no, they're not going to get in the playoff. And, and, and it's, it's a shame because, uh, you know, anytime you win a conference with one loss, you should uh, be considered. But I think Pitt's ceiling, if they're 12-1 and one with an ACC championship, is probably six maybe seven, yeah. um, depending on what happens elsewhere. Uh, so, I, but, but look, if Pitt goes 11 or 12 and one and ends up in the, I think it's the Chick-fil-A bowl this year, uh, that's the ACC tie-in because the Orange Bowl is a semifinal. Yep. That's a great season for Pat Narduzzi, and it's a great season for Kenny Pickett. And, and look, I don't think we should determine the success of the season for Pittsburgh as, as winning or getting in the college football playoff at this point. Like, if if we uh, if they had been a team that that won a really strong ACC, then I think we could say that. But but you're going to get into the conversation of hey, what's Pitt's best win uh, on the road at Tennessee? May look like a pretty good win by the end of the year. Uh, Clemson is going to be probably a eight or nine win team by yep. the end of the season. I mean, they're already they're, their caps are already ten. So so uh, and I think Pitt beats them too. So they're probably a nine, eight or nine win team at the end of the year. Outside of that, in the coastal, like you're not getting any good wins. Um, and then you would play probably an NC State or a Wake Forest team in the championship game. That, that's going to be a top twenty five team, but. But you're talking about a team with like one top 25 win. Um, so the resume is going to be weak. But but that doesn't mean Pitt's not having a great season. It doesn't mean that Pitt, uh, Pitt isn't having a really successful season. They just have to finish, man. Like they've got all the expectations. All of the hype is starting to circle them. They've got to handle it the right way and finish. This is called unvarnished commentary from Roddy Jones. Tell him like it is in the ACC, and I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk two more teams before I let you run. And unfortunately, it's not great news. North Carolina, if you want to talk just defense, knock yourself out but why haven't the heels been what most of us thought the heels were going to be my hands raised yeah <laughs> uh so how much time do we have uh, I'll, I'll try and distill it down as quickly as i can yeah. one the offensive line that had four starters returning isn't as good as they were a year ago some of that has to do with the injury to their center brian anderson uh but some of it has to do with the fact that they're just not as good secondly uh we overestimated how easily it was going to be to replace the guys that they lost. Michael Carter and Javante Williams were great last year. Ty Chandler has been good, uh, but good is not less than great, especially when you have two guys that were great. And then at receiver, they've gotten basically no production from their outside receivers. Choffrey Brown's in the transfer portal. Emory Simmons uh, hasn't been, you know, hasn't been anything to write home about. Uh, Josh Downs has been fantastic, but he's really the only offense that they have 
apart from Sam Howell because of all those things. And then defensively, uh, they, they are a weird group. They're young in a lot of spots, and they're really experienced in a lot of spots. They're uh, talented, but they are because of their youth, they don't communicate well, um, so they bust assignments when they do what Jay Bateman wants to yeah. do. When they're simple, they're not good enough to play well enough to win, and they don't tackle. So, so you put all that together, and you have a really mediocre bunch um, that, uh, you know, who knows where North Carolina ends up this season. I could see them, you know, at the end of the year as an 8-1 team. I could see them missing a bowl game. I had a coach one time tell me that you hear good defense before you see it. Isn't that true? Like you hear them on the field communicating, yeah. talking, that if you don't hear the defense, it's not going to be good defense. Um, right. And then after the snap, you hear them popping pads, and North Carolina hasn't done a lot of that. No. Last team I want to ask you about, and I think you had the Gobblers a little earlier in the year. Virginia Tech, this isn't good. And the, re- the what I'm really confused about is it's Fuente and quarterbacks and offense and blah, 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 blah. I don't care about that. It's 2021. The rules and pace of play and offensive styles – Everybody can score. Even if you don't win, you can score, Roddy. What's wrong with Virginia Tech? They don't score. No, and I think it starts with the quarterback position, to be honest with you. And here, it's like, we're starting to get to the time of year where we start to talk about coaching carousels and who's going to get fired and all that stuff. And the situation in Blacksburg has been uh, tenuous for a long time, uh, for at least a few years now. And I think if Justin Fuente, they do indeed move on from him at the end of the year, the, the thing that's going to kill him is getting the quarterback position wrong his entire time at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you had the Ryan Willis thing. You had the, the Gerard Evans thing when he left. You had the, um, you, you know, you had the Josh Jackson saga, remember? The Hendon like, Hooker he thing. Was playing quarterback. Hendon Hooker most recently. And, and that's, what, that's the one that's going to really get in Virginia Tech fans, uh, get on their bad side, because you had Hendon Hooker on campus. You had the opportunity to give him the starting job. Had you done that, he would have stayed. But no, it was a quarterback competition. He goes to Tennessee in a different quarterback competition and is doing fantastic. He's played great. Uh, so, so that's a really bad look for a guy that's supposed to be a quarterback guy. And on the other hand, Braxton Burmeister hasn't played well. He can't complete a pass. So, so, uh, so I think if, if it ends up going poorly for Justin Puente, that's really what's going to cost him. Yeah, you're a Southern guy. I am as well. I didn't know. Do you know that like there was an old, 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 old school like hatred sort of rivalry with Virginia Tech and Tennessee? I had no idea about that uh, until they played in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. I'd never I heard of not. it. Well, I, I, I knew there was something because of what they do the, a few years ago, the Battle of Bristol, in Bristol, Bristol yeah. Tennessee, where they split it in half. Like, yeah. I, I, I knew that that was a thing. Uh, but, yeah, the, the old school hatred, I didn't know about until that game. I got educated. I was like, this goes back to like the – it's like LSU and Tulane. If you go back to the 30s right. and 40s, you can get it. But uh, it's interesting. And now you took our quarterback as well. With Justin, you're right. fired. Right. Uh, Rod- right. Roddy, I appreciate it as always, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chuck. All right, Roddy Jones from the ACC Network. That's Yeah, that's one of those things that I got educated on. They were coming to the Chick-fil-A Bowl, and I started getting all these text messages from people wanting tickets, and I'm like, huh? That only happens most most often. That's going to happen when there's a freshman who has emerged, and that's why you're going to be excited as a fan base going into the next season. And And that had happened folks before hey can i get tickets we can uh this was just because oh yeah i remember my grandparents boy they don't like tennessee or virginia tech um so yeah there there are some in the fan base and again i actually do and i'm like contemporaries people in their 40s and 50s friends of mine um that just out of the blue oh yeah two lane 
And then people at Tulane that look down on folks from LSU and they have to come up with reasons. Dan, what do they say? What did, you'll work for us one day or something oh, like that? Yeah, Is it the, it's, yeah. it's the academic high ground, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yes, exactly. How, how do you get an LSU grad off your deck, pay for the pizza? It, yeah. So it's all of those jokes, and then the LSU grad looks at him and goes, uh, we won a national championship two years ago. <laughs> and y'all left the SEC on your own? Dude! And so that just kind of ends the whole conversation there. All right, so we're going to take a break, come back, wrap up on this Thursday next. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. It's great to have speed and be a speed rusher, uh, but turn speed to power you need that kind of lower body explosion to be able to do that it usually impacts your initial quickness and obviously the faster you can move the inertia of that is what uh, generates power as well see jimmy the greek could have just said that nick saban talking about Will Anderson, and I mentioned this. Weren't we talking about this earlier in the week, that this Bama defense, he's the only SEC game wrecker over there. He's the only guy over there that explodes up into you, that no matter who you are, your left tackle, he's about to have a really, 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 really bad day. And they've got good players all over the rest of that day. DeMarco Hellams and Josh Job, And, I mean, there are some of those kids that um, – Jalen Armour Davis and uh, uh, Toto, just so many good players. And Tim Smith, who I have seen at times, oh, he's Quentin Williams now. DJ Dale, who probably two years ago, I was like, oh, he's going to be Quentin Williams now. LeBron Ray, who I think four years ago, yeah, and it just didn't happen. Dylan Moses, now there was injury, but – Dylan Moses never became this rolling ball of butcher knives that I was. Now, again, I observed, I read, I watched, and then I had an opinion. Oh, my God, he's going to be a rolling ball of butcher knives. And then he wasn't. Well, what's wrong with you? No, may not be anything wrong with him. He did not turn into an SEC game record, though. I don't believe. Not by my estimation. And, again, there's always context. But... You look over there right now, and he's the guy. He's the one. And it it never – and I was mentioning this yesterday, that there's never been a case when you look at the Bama defense, not since uh, 07 is kind of you get what you get. By 08, everyone who was still there, and there should have been at least half the roster turnover, but uh, by 08, things started looking different. And when you look at that defense, every single year, certainly from certainly 09 going forward, Orlando McClain and five other studs, Courtney Upshaw and five other studs, Donta Hightower and five other studs, Quentin Williams and five other studs. It's always been that. That's not what it is right now. You got Will Anderson who was unblockable and you got some really good players. It had, it had transformed, folks. And even in years when Nick Saban wasn't like Minka Fitzpatrick, 
He was a, such an amazing player from the day he, all right, there's my foot and it's now on campus. I'm an amazing player. And I just stepped foot on campus. He might have been their best player on defense eventually as a freshman at some point in his freshman year. He had four or five other guys who were every bit as good until he passed them. That's, that's not what the defense is, and that means you're vulnerable. When, you know, the, that phrase, defense travels, that's just about every sport, folks. And why is that? Because defense is it's more planable than offense. There is so much about, all right, well, what is the offense doing? And Okay, we got that figure. Okay, yeah, we're in good position. Uh, versus the offense, affected so much more by weather and uh, being on the road, et cetera. Defense on the road? I, I don't know what's going on. Offense on the road? Totally different deal. So it's just different. You find yourself vulnerable now because this defense, you know, defense travels. It's not always a good thing. You hope, like, man, oh, we get a spike on the road? No, it gets even more challenging. This year it does because you got holes. You have areas where you're simply above average. And that is not how you win titles. So uh, he's talking about Will Anderson and good for him. And that guy is just an absolute monster. There's not enough of him. There's a lot of really, really good players around him. So that's what Nick Saban's talking about on the uh, the Wednesday press conference. Dan, how are you today? Oh, man, things are good. And, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Dylan Moses and everybody else. The player that always comes to mind for me, linebacker-wise, out of Alabama is always C.J. Mosley. And it goes back to the 2013 season opener, the old Georgia Dome. They're taking on Virginia Tech. And I remember, I don't even know if it was a blitz, but I just remembered seeing him run at full speed to the Virginia Tech backfield, and, of course, an offensive lineman tries to get in his way. I think it was their freshman left tackle that day. I can't remember who it was for the Hokies, but he knocked him backwards, and I said, that doesn't necessarily happen. Like an offensive lineman can keep their feet and maybe get nudged back, but not completely backwards, and I saw that, and I just said, wow, that is power. That is unbelievable to see a guy play like that on the field. There were four other guys just like him out there. Yeah, I mean, certain certain teams and certain players just have that. Um, I think we can agree that most of us who have either been through a breakup or have had friends who have been through a breakup that it is not a very attractive quality even with your friends to have where you completely continue to talk about the person you used to be with to then also caveat it with but I'm over them I'm all good and and I'm I'm all moved on from that that's Bob Bowlesby right here because I saw this interaction that he had with brian davis of the austin american statesman at big 12 media day for basketball and he was asked about if he was upset regarding texas and ou leaving i can't allow myself that but then he continues on too, where again you know but i'm over them i have to get over the sense of personal betrayal and do what's necessary for our eight continuing members and that's what we did So, yeah, kudos to you that you finally did what you should have done years ago, where along with Texas and OU, you should have been courting other schools and bringing them to your conference and making your conference even stronger because for the longest time, because of decisions you made, a couple of your teams were held out of the initial college football playoff for the reason why everybody all at once, you didn't have a conference championship game because, well, we should just stay at 10 members because 10 is a good number yeah, for us. He wanted us. to get two in. And, and, and that's the thing is he, he, could, he, he didn't even get either of them no. in because he didn't even have a chance to get them in. 
And the other part of it as well is while other conferences were trying to find ways to up their revenue, make their teams even more competitive, and also to to find ways to even make their own conference even better, he got fat and happy, and he decided to say, ha, you know what, they love me, we're all good here, until finally the ones in the relationship that were like, yeah, I'm much more attractive and I've got much more to offer, uh, I like them over there. I think I'm going to go find my personal happiness with them. He's done a poor job of reading a room, man. It's always easier to get a job when you got a job. It's easier to get new teams in your conference when you still got OU and Texas there. You talk about reactionary and the billion-dollar business world of college football. It doesn't pay to be reactionary, man. So that's Bowlesby, though, and so good for you. You got some AAC schools coming in now. All right, wraps it up on a Thursday. Be back this time tomorrow with more college football conversation right here on Chuck Oliver Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.